Ladies and gentlemen, Trade Talk, L.A. Aiko here. Uh, focus on this episode is going to be Revlon. Uh, yes, the beauty manufacturer of makeup and supplies uh, has filed for bankruptcy protection. Uh, and, you know, it is it's the most interesting bankruptcy. Uh, and what I found interesting about it, uh, and I was late to the party because I didn't pay attention to it. Oddly enough, I got a, um, a research report on it, but I never followed through on reading the research report because, you know, there was just, a, I was already in on a Bitcoin short and stretched thin. So it comes across uh, my screen the other day that Revlon files for bankruptcy in uh, New York State. I say to myself, oh man, I wish I would have caught that as uh, Red, Revlon has uh, three bonds that are trading. You can find them on Trace. And uh, all of them are senior unsecured bonds, uh, no contingencies on payment. Uh, this is a key and important factor. But more so than that, my biggest curiosity in this uh, whole Revlon situation was what is going on with uh, the stock market currently? What happened with Hertz? And uh, there's another one. I want to say it was Hertz, J.C. Penney, and a few others during the pandemic. Could that uh, that trend follow through, where people see these legacy names and they choose to buy these legacy names as they are spiraling towards bankruptcy? Because uh, right now Hertz is in bankruptcy, hasn't fully received its full protection yet, has just filed its petition, and the stock was trading at two bucks. And as of uh, yesterday, Wednesday, uh, it was uh, what, what Wednesday the twenty second was trading at eight bucks. Then today on Thursday, trading at about six dollars and change. Right? We'll just go with the whole numbers. Very, very interesting. A lot of people are speaking about, you know, grabbing some of those Revlon shares and catching the pop, catching a short squeeze. And this goes back to the same sort of issues where you're playing with something that you cannot understand. Well, the majority of retail was playing with it. Uh, I have taken the liberty to break this all down, see where I want to be within this trade. Uh, specifically, I want to be on the put side. And I'm going to break down why. So this whole Revlon situation, um, which is owned by Ron Perlman, Forbes magazine. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Forbes magazine owns Revlon. Yes, that is this particular situation. Um, it dovetails perfectly, as I've been using that over and over within the season's uh, episodes. But it's just true. It dovetails with the last episode. What were we talking about? Seven to ten years. What the uh, seven to ten year maturities on distressed debt, junk debt what it looks like as it pertains to um, borrowers or, or people looking to raise money. Revlon fell right into this. In 2016, Revlon borrowed $1.8 billion uh, from some banks and hedge funds using a seven-year term loan. All right? So, boom, a seven-year term loan. If you want to know how much they were paying, again, this is back in 16, where the 10-year treasury was much lower. They're paying uh, roughly six, uh, I, want, I want to get it correct. I don't want to uh, quote inappropriately. So allow me to just uh, quickly look at that. Uh, six and a quarter, right? They got a six and a quarter um, debt issued to them. This was back in October of 2016. 
Uh, that debt matures in 2024. They also got a uh, 5.75. Well, this was paid off. I'll go back into uh, what happened there with that bond and, and, and why there was a particular very interesting situation that happened there. Um, and then you have uh, just an outstanding amount of bonds that were, I don't want to, they were recollateralized in a very weird, interesting situation that actually happened to um, the big retailer, Neiman Marcus, that I covered in the first season of Trade Talk, but obviously most people wouldn't have cared about that. But a similar situation befell Neiman Marcus as it also befell Revlon. Um, getting credit revolvers from private equity, hedge funds, and banks, and then trying to make the business work with those credit revolvers, though the margins are thin. But in Revlon's case, it wasn't so much margins were thin. It was just that the global pandemic had come. People were buying less, and they did not pivot to um, what most young women are, or how they're buying and what they're buying. Because as you can see, uh, Rihanna Savage Fenty makeup and Kylie Jenner's makeup are billion-dollar brands snuck right under the nose of Revlon. Uh, because they are doing it in a particular way where it's being sold predominantly online. Actually, there's a lot of even independent um, young women who do it this way, selling through Instagram, um, uh, Shopify, and selling their cosmetics in this particular way. So Revlon could, didn't pivot, probably couldn't pivot as easy due to the next parts that I'm about to discuss. So in like 2019 and, 20, and 2020, uh, Revlon did something that was very interesting. So you see, when you take debt on, especially with private equity firms and hedge funds and banks, uh, you're going to collateralize something, which is odd how these bonds were set up because they were senior notes that were uncollateralized. But how they were structured is that um, the senior unsecured notes would get cash flows from some of the intellectual property brands that Revlon had. Similar to what Neiman Marcus did where they had a particular asset, which is called My Teresa. Um, this is just goes to show you the maneuvering in private equity. Uh, they, they took the intellectual property of My Teresa, put it into a different holding company. What did Revlon do? Uh, they made a company that is a new subsidiary um, called Brandco, took the intellectual property that was within the uh, senior unsecured loans for the senior unsecured 2016 original loans, repackaged some of those names, got money, <laughs> borrowed new money uh, to extend their credit lines for a new credit revolver. And who helped them do this? Uh, Citigroup. This is really interesting because this is where we had a controversial situation that happened in 2020, where if you paid attention to the news back then, and this is where I said it came through my blotter, but I didn't care to read about it. There was a mistake where Citibank paid its own $500 million to clear um, unsecured debt for the 2016 bondholders. And when it cleared that debt, um, well, just $500 million of that debt, when it cleared that debt, uh, it paid it in mis by mistake. It's during the global pandemic. They're supposed to just make an interest payment, but instead they pay the whole thing. And they pay it with their money, Citigroup's money, not with Revlon's money. This becomes an issue because Citigroup's like, hey, we need to collect that back. Some of those creditors are like, we're not paying it back to you. You made a mistake. It's on you. Some creditors paid it back. It causes a lawsuit. That lawsuit, Citigroup loses. I'm giving you this backstory because it's going to matter in the bankruptcy and why it's so no, it's so nonsensical why people choose to buy long some of these 
uh, names. So again, I'm going to interject in the middle of this. Again, I am short Revline, but short with puts. I think you're shorting the puts out into uh, January of uh, 2023. Uh, that is, um, th those puts are about 50 cents for $1 puts. I like that. Uh, I like anything between $1 to $3, but specifically I would be more aggressive and go to $1. And this story tells you why I'm saying $1. So you get to a point where 51% um, of the lenders were paid off at that Citigroup situation. 49% of the lenders are remaining and they are at a drastic disadvantage because they no longer hold the collateral of the brand names. That's a problem, right? <laughs> so you have that problem and those guys start to start to know what's going on and they file a lawsuit. But at the same time, Citigroup is, well, they file a lawsuit against Citigroup at the same, because Citigroup facilitated the ability for Brandco, which is what they uh, renamed the subsidiaries of Revlon for the holding the intellectual properties and cash flows, they should, saying that they shouldn't have allowed that. When that happened, uh, you ran into a situation where um, City sued to get that money back, City lost, City Group lost that lawsuit. Obviously, they're appealing. This appeal is going to matter a lot because if they sued and Revlon is going through a bankruptcy, who is the creditor now in that bankruptcy? Citigroup is a creditor against their own client for a payment that they made. This is going to matter. Why are you going to get paid on the long side if Citigroup has a $500 million claim, uh, which it will probably be ahead of most people if they win their appeal, but not only just the appeal aspect of it, the amount of time that that appeal is going to take to go through, tying up the bankruptcy for even longer. Obviously, the, the Revlon is trying to find an exit strategy through uh, to get out of the bankruptcy. Highly unlikely because here's the next part. The second part is the uh, original, the, so the, the new lend, uh, the new borrowers, sorry, the new lenders of 2020 that took on the Branco assets, they're going to sue. They're going to sue because the 2016 lenders got paid off before them. There's in, uh, lenders are unequal within the debt structure and they're going to feel, hey, you're now in bankruptcy. They got paid off in full. We just gave you a loan. Where's our money? Because what happens in bankruptcy is that you generally stop paying your interest payments. You're looking for protection. A disaster of a situation to anyone who would want to be long this particular stock. So again, still pushing the short position. And as we move forward and you see that uh, city, uh, there's $3.4 billion in uh, debts on Revlon. Uh, the hope is that you can get the 500 million to, to be upheld and Revlon works out something with Citigroup because the people who facilitated their ability to even get the second credit revolver in 2020 is Citigroup. So you don't want a situation where you don't pay um, your uh, investment banker and your investment banker now no longer wants to do business with you and they have helped facilitate you survive the pandemic. This is one mess of a situation and people are, are taking it like it's too simple, uh, no, no different than Hertz, where it was obviously more complicated and they come out and say, hey, we're going to issue more shares. Things like that are just complete BS. I would not want to be a person 
who is on the long side within this trade. Hopefully, those of you who can understand what is happening or you have the fortitude to not be so anxious to say, I'm going to run with the bulls on this one. I think it's going to be an outlier in terms of um, how the stock market's playing out because it's just, it's just a name that's in play. It's cheap enough and it's a legacy name and you know, no different than people saying, hey, AMC is to the moon. No, these things, debts matter in, in, in these companies. They have to be able to facilitate them. It's a sudden death situation. Once you cannot facilitate your debts, once you miss a bond payment, go back and listen to the episodes about China and you miss one bond payment, you get a 30-day reprieve on uh, the payment of that. You, you better pay it within that 30 days or you are now in full default. 30, uh, before the 30, it's technical default. Full default is on the 30. And then, you know, your creditors can now swoop in. This isn't, uh, this isn't a joke in terms of, yeah, you know, we can maneuver. This name is too good. Oh, it's trading really well in bankruptcy. You're going to get blown out. And at some point, depending on how any people on the short end play it properly, they're going to win on the shorts. I guess you could say in both, you can make the argument on both sides that the longer the bankruptcy plays out, the more you can have volatility aspects within the stock just for a degenerate kind of gambling. I wouldn't even play that game. Uh, I would just keep rolling my shorts over and over and over again, because at the end of the day, uh, this is going to take a while. It will lose its luster at some point. Revlon is not making those payments at those times. They can only facilitate necessary things like employee payroll. Uh, it, it will lose its luster in terms of a trade for people to continue to go through. And if you want to see where this was another case, JCPenney, where people kept playing with the with it when it, while it was uh, less than $1. I have one person that I know who lost $40,000 doing that because to him he was saying that, hey, this thing is going to, there's no way they're going to let it go completely bankrupt. We could probably get a dollar out of this stock. The stock had its time for it popped up to 50, 60 cents. And at the end, when they finally made final decisions on its ability to trade and what was going on with the assets, didn't matter what was presented, they liquidated it. And in this particular case, senior unsecured bonds with no uh, right to reclaim, with no immediate requirement of uh, asset, only uh, in name and intellectual property, which then has been moved into a whole new subsidiary. Good luck collecting the money before people like Citigroup and the uh, investment bank, as well as the hedge fund. It's not going to happen. It will be liquidated. They will not meet all obligations. What the hope would be is to get a workout. And I don't even see a workout happening because you completely lost the trust of your um, secondary uh, your secondary credit revolver lenders by not letting people know you had a, a new subsidiary from your first credit revolver lenders at the 1.8. This is a mess in total. And it lets you know a lot of the games that go on in private equity. And when you go back to uh, Neiman Marcus and take that as a case study, with Marble Ridge Capital, uh, what did end up happening is that Marble Ridge extended um, it extended Neiman Marcus's term. And could there be a potentiality in this, depending how uh, how much 
the lender's hands are tied. And in this particular case, I do not believe their hands are completely tied because Citigroup cannot, I'm sorry, Revlon cannot uh, screw Citigroup. They're going to need them. It wouldn't be smart, even though they're probably going to try to get the bankruptcy judge to say, hey, uh, absolve us of that $500 million that Citigroup paid. And I guess what? They would work out a deal with Citigroup. I don't see Citigroup taking that charge, taking that L. Makes no sense. Um, but it is a potentiality. And the only other potentiality is a workout with the lenders. Why would they do the workout? Only because I could say they're unsecured, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I would I would bet more on the complete liquidation and restructuring uh, to issue new stock. I would not bet on a situation such as Neiman Marcus. And Neiman Marcus could also get away with their situation because they didn't have any stock. It was just all bonds. Uh, and they were able to, you know, easily restructure that a bit better. That Revlon is a legacy name. A lot of doors that it's already sold in, especially the, you know, CVS, discount convenient places. It, there is room for it, but I don't think there's room for this iteration of it. Short Revlon uh, puts at $1 in January. And uh, moving forward, more puts till it is completely liquidated. Uh, bankruptcy probably take excess of two years, in my opinion. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Trade Talk, LA ACO out. See ya.